Well, here we are, church. Yeah. Is, is anybody glad to be here? Is anybody glad to be here and not having to hang sheetrock? <laughs> or put in ceiling tiles or carpet squares or climb in trusses for the first time in their lives and see what that's like? What an amazing journey we have been on. Really, over the last two weeks, we've had over 200 volunteers from our church just come and rally and really make it happen. Just amazing stuff. Over this last summer, we have had over 2,000 people, over 1,000 volunteers from Builders for Christ, and 1,000 people from our church coming in and praying and giving and going and serving and doing stuff and cleaning with joy and great attitude. It's actually just been an amazing journey that is making what we're experiencing possible. And I just want to take a minute to just say thank you to everybody who's prayed, who gives, who serves, who serves and serves, and, and who's just made what we're doing here possible. My temptation now is to start listing names, and I, I want to let you know that if I started that, I'd take the rest of the service, and we are actually going to have a special service to celebrate and consecrate and dedicate and have a grand opening uh, the, the weekend of February 2nd and 3rd. Some of our BFC friends are going to come. The rest of the renovations are going to be uh, taking place, and so we're going to really have a huge celebration at that time. Right now, we're going to continue on in our series called Home for Christmas. And one of the things we do at our Christmas season is we take up our Christmas offering. And that's what these red envelopes are about. Throughout December, whatever comes in these offerings, and then whatever comes in on Christmas Eve, we put towards our share partners. And those are partnerships we have with people all over the world and locally here in the Chippewa Valley. And this year, we're really emphasizing some folks who are trying to make homes for people. Last week, we had the Team Challenge Choir with us. How amazing was that, right? Just incredible, right? Next week, we're going to be highlighting, we're going to give you an update on the partnership we found with Forgotten Initiative, which is that group that is supporting families who take in foster kids and, and just the incredible need in that area. Well, this week, we have one of our favorite share partners. We have Hope Gospel Mission with us this week, and they're the folks who bring us you know, the Bargain Center and the Building Hope, so that, that finances the Men's Shelter and the Ruth House. And right now, they're in the mid middle of something called the Campaign for Hope. You may have heard some about, some about it, but this is Sandy Polzine. Let's say hi to Sandy. And Sandy is here with some of the folks from Hope Gospel Mission. Sandy, give us an update. What's been going on? Well, thanks so much for having us today. We're so happy to have the opportunity just to share from our hearts on what's happening to those folks in the valley who may be your friends, relatives, neighbors, someone you know who are hurting. They feel hopeless and lost. But Hope Gospel Mission exists to help these people become the people that God intended them to be in the first place. And Pastor had said earlier, there's a place for men and there's a place for women. But right now, there's not a place for women with children. And Hope Gospel Mission does an in-depth, holistic, beautiful program. It's not just shelter and food, although that's very, very important. We go deeper, we dig deeper, and these precious babies are on the street. And I don't know how many of you know this, but there are over 500 children in the Chippewa Valley that don't have a place to call home, that are homeless, that are sleeping in cars or under bridges, or sleeping with Auntie Sally or Uncle Tim or... They, the people that they don't know. And if you think about that, if you didn't know where you were going to rest your head tonight or that you would get to rest your head tonight, you would look at life a whole lot differently. And these precious babies, by no fault of their own, 
um, they need someone to come alongside of them, and their mothers may not be strong enough to do that through addiction, abuse, neglect, being kicked out of their home, unplanned pregnancies, etc. So Hope Gospel Mission exists to make a difference in the lives of these precious people that we get to serve. And now our next journey is women with children. And so we've, we're in the process of purchasing two buildings um, in Eau Claire on the west side, and these women are they can't wait till we open. So we need volunteers and we need funds and we have to get these sweethearts off the street. This program is deep and it's intense. It's a 12, 18 month, two year program and we're gonna walk alongside of these mamas and these children. We're gonna speak life into them and they get to have a chance to be a real family again. Instead of pulling these babies away from their mamas while their mamas get well, we're gonna do the family. So well, I think that's a big part of what people don't understand is that here in the Chippewa Valley, in large part because of Hope and, and other groups, there's a great solution for men who are homeless and there's a good solution for women who are homeless, but there's not a solution for women with children. That's and right. so families have to be taken apart to be able to find a place for shelter. That's and right. That's what, the, that's what the next stage of a campaign for hope is about. It really is. And you know, we've experienced this the last couple of years. We have women knocking on our door trying to do intake. And they say, well, I need help. I need a lot of help. I was kicked out or abused or I'm addicted or I'm lost, but I have a baby or I have a five-year-old. Please take me in. And we're like, we don't have anywhere for your children. We have rooms that are alongside other women, but no women with children. And talk about your heart being broken when you have to tell them they have to go back out. Yeah. I mean, how do you even sleep? How do you do that? Yeah. And so we want to be part of the solution. We want to ask God, God, what do you want from us? We've taken this huge initiative. He's calling Hope Gospel Mission to do this, to be part of the solution. But we need warriors and servants to come alongside of us. And so if I could encourage you to stop back at our booth today. And if I could encourage you to go on hopegospelmission.org, and there's actually a campaign for hope video, and it's going to take you in just a little peek into the lives of when these people have come in, what's happened to them when they're lost and hurting and angry and broken, and you start seeing this little glimmer and this little light in their eye, and then they get to go to this next phase of like, oh my goodness, there is hope in this person named Jesus that you told me about. He loves me right where I'm at, and he's not going to leave me there. He just wants me to grow. And, and these people come to know the Lord, and they get to go back in the community and be part of this church or another church. They get a church family, but nobody showed them ever what that looked like before. Yeah, that's what I love about Hope. It's not just food and shelter. It's a, it's a program. Sometimes a long-term program. They're teaching life right. skill, overcoming addiction, and helping people be whole and holy in Jesus Christ. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you, Sandy, for uh, being with us this weekend. Uh, Sandy and her team are going to be back by the Connection Center. So stop by and ask how you can get involved as a volunteer or, or a mentor or all kinds of different things that you could do. Remember our Christmas offering. We're hoping through the Christmas offering, planning through the Christmas offering, to make a really significant uh, gift that, that we hope will be able to be used to furnish uh, one of the new facilities or help move that down the road and so that's what the Christmas offering is really all about this week so let's say thank you for Sandy for being here this thank weekend. thank you So you see the theme, right? This thing of home for Christmas, whether it be uh, kids who, who are uh, being homed or finding a home through foster care or, or people finding recovery through, through Teen Challenge or, or through uh, addressing the homelessness uh, in our area. We're talking about this thing of home. And, and throughout this series, we've been talking about how for many of us, home is kind of a broken concept. Now, maybe that's not true for you. Maybe you're one of those people who your home is 
sweet and perfect and loving. I mean, you're the people who pose for the Norman Rockwell pe- 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 pictures, you know. Uh, we're very happy for you. Uh, that, that may not have been your story. Uh, maybe your story was your home was incredibly broken and maybe even dangerous. But for most of us, we're somewhere in between there where there's something great about home and there's something not so great about home. But at the end of the day, what we find in this series is that the concept of home, that concept of belonging, is an indication of this greater thing in this world, that this world is really broken. And so one of the big challenges I've given for you this Christmas season is to lean into that, is to feel that. I I, I challenge you to lean into the longing, to, to feel the dissatisfaction of this life, to feel the disappointment of this life. And, and I confess to you, and I want to confess to you again, that, that I am not satisfied with this life. I do not find it to be enough. That there's not enough meaning. There's not enough purpose. This life does not satisfy me. And you know what? That is a great thing. Because here, here's something you just need to understand about this life. Is anything you're experiencing in this life, whether it be a really awesome thing, or whether it be a really terrible thing, is temporary. Just wrap your mind around that for a minute. And so, so if, 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 if you were actually finding satisfaction in this life, it's only a matter of time till you got to give it back. It's only a matter of time till you have to return it. Because here's the deal. One of the most loving things that God has ever done for you, one of the best things for you, is to make this life unsatisfying. That is actually a gift. If you had found your satisfaction in this life, that would have been a tragedy. That's why Jesus said, he says, listen, don't store for yourself treasures on earth. Don't be that foolish. He said, because there's thieves and they rust and moth and, and, and it just doesn't satisfy. He said, instead, store up for yourself treasures in heaven, in, in the place where what you get there is ultimately and completely satisfying. And ultimately, completely satisfactory, so that, so that you understand that can never be lost. That is eternal. And so God in his graciousness has had us to understand, would have us to understand that this life doesn't satisfy. Now, when you, when you get that, when you listen now, lean into that. When you lean into the longing, some amazing things start happening. First of all, you take the pressure off this life. Because if you're thinking, I just can't find satisfaction. There's just no meaning in this life. I just don't understand. I, I'm not finding this life. You, you, and obviously you realize, oh, but this life was never meant to do that. Well, all of a sudden, you don't have to keep trying to buy something or medicate or, or try to find the, just the perfect person or find the perfect moment. You don't have to. In fact, what it does is it frees you to let this life be what it is, where you can actually start enjoying the good things in this life for what they are, and you can understand that the difficult things in these lives are temporary. They're not permanent, and, and there's a day when, when that goes away, and it brings a contentment in your life. And not only that, it, it brings freedom for you to become a compassionate person. When you lean into your own lung and you feel your own ache, it helps you become aware of people whose maybe situation is a lot worse than yours. And all of a sudden you get involved in serving other people and loving other people and helping other people. And what ends up happening then is you have this most amazing experience of, of, of realizing you're, you're content. You're experiencing happiness in helping other people, and you're no longer thinking about how sad you are or how happy you are. You're actually not thinking of yourself at all. It's a wonderful thing. Now, now there's one more really big surprise that happens when you, will you free yourself from the expectation that this life should be satisfied, this life should be enough, this life should be, you know, just, just great, you know. And what frees you up, what, what, what happens is you discover this wonderful surprise, and the surprise is joy. 
Now, and I'm not talking about some kind of candy-coated happiness that comes and goes. I'm talking about this, what the Bible calls, what, what the theologians call an inward sense of well-being that can't be shaken. So when you understand that this thing of letting go of this life being satisfying actually makes the life satisfactory because my true source of satisfaction is in another place, it absolutely changes everything. Now there's a passage of scripture that teaches on this and it's kind of a complicated little passage of scripture but we're going to walk through it and I tell you what, I've been excited to share this with you because this passage of scripture has kind of been haunting me lately. It's just been like rewiring my, my spiritual life in a really cool way and so I'm really eager to share it with you and it starts by saying and showing us that being unsatisfied makes life satisfactory. So, so let's take a look at what the Apostle Paul says here in 2 Corinthians. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and the, 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 the verse 16. Let's take a look. So he starts by saying, we do not lose heart. Anybody ever lose heart? Maybe you're here today and you say, I'm in the middle of losing heart. I mean, I'm just at the point where I'm just wondering just why it matters. Well, here's the deal. If your hope is in this world, you're going to lose heart. Because there's no hope ultimately in this world. But he says, we don't lose hope. Look at this. Though our outer selves are wasting away. Anybody else's outer self wasting away? Something tragic happened to me this year. I turned 50. I'm walking around town seeing old people and realizing I graduated from high school with them. How did this happen to me? And so I've noticed my body is not what it once was. It's wasting away. But not only that, my mind seems to be wasting away. I don't remember things, you know. And it used to bother me that I didn't remember things. Now I don't care as much I don't remember that. It's important I'll remember it later, you know. Why would I walk into this room, right? Not only that. Now this is key. My emotional self is wasting away. That is to say, things in this world. Listen now. Things in this world that used to excite me, used to thrill me, used to, I just, you know, ah, just, they're good. I enjoy them. They're what they're, but they don't, you know, pack or touchdown. Yeah, okay, it's good. Uh, catching that big fish. Okay, it's good. I love it. It's good, but it's not like it was. You know, uh, the things that I once thought were just so, they're just kind of drifting away. And, and what the Bible tells us is that is exactly what we should expect. Though our outer selves are wasting away. Look at this. Our inner selves are being renewed day by day. Now, this is not true for everybody. People who don't have a relationship with Christ, they're just wasting away. That's where despair comes from, by the way. When you start getting older and you realize you're not satisfied, you realize you're not going to find it in this life, it just gets dark. It gets despairing. But when you have Christ, you realize that the more I'm wasting away here, the more I have opportunity to start coming alive to be renewed day by day in that next place. Let, let's take a look at the next verse. He says, for this light and momentary. Everybody say light and momentary. Everything in this life is light and momentary. Now that's true of good things or bad things. Now you think they're the biggest things in the world and the biggest things that are ever going to happen. They're just not. In light of eternity, they're, they're very small. And so if you're going through a great time, awesome time, and you're just in the zone, it's going to change. Sorry, burst that bubble. It's going to change, right? Or if you're going through a difficult time that's overwhelming, it's light and momentary. That is to say it's passing by and it's nothing compared to what's coming. So he says these light and momentary afflictions are preparing for us a eternal 
an eternal, that is, it doesn't end, weight of glory. Weight there is the word, same word for holy actually means, it means a, a, a significance, a reality. The understanding is, is what we're living in now is not real. It is shadow, but we are going to be transformed into an eternal weight of glory beyond all compare. And so anything that you live for now, anything that you think is significant now is nothing compared to what's going to be coming in eternity. Let's look at the next verse. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Let's keep going. For the things that are seen, look at this, are transient. They're bypassing. But the things that are unseen are eternal. And so what he wants you to see is that everything in this life is temporary. That's why it's good it doesn't satisfy. That's why it's good it's, 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 it's not enough. Because if it were enough, it would come and it would go. There's something more significant. And, and here's what you need to understand. That ache, that longing where you know, you know what, it's not enough here. I was created for something else. I was created for something more significant. That is a, a longing for heaven. That's a longing for Christ. That's a longing for the reality that you know you were made for. And the indication that you have that means that you were designed for something more significant than anything this world can offer. That's why we lean in to longing. Let's take a look at this next verse. He says, for we know that this tent... Now, let me just stop right there. The Apostle Paul in this section is going to use two metaphors, and it's a little complicated because he mixes his metaphors, okay? The first metaphor is a tent. So he's basically going to say, this life, this physical life we have is like a tent. You know, and some of you say, yeah, I flap in the wind. I, I'm a lot like a tent, okay? You know, some more than others, okay? But basically he's saying it's like camping. We're living in this life... And it's temporary, and it's hard. Now, I like to camp as much as the other next person, but after two or three nights in a tent, I'm ready for a shower. I'm ready for a place where bugs can't get at me. I'm ready for a place that I know I can control the environment and the temperature. So he says, so he says for we know that the tent that is our earthly home, if it's destroyed, we have a building and a house made not with hands. And so the first metaphor he gives is this understanding that this is temporary, but there's something more real, more significant. Now the second metaphor he gives is a metaphor about being naked. Now some of you just looked up. Hmm, what's he talking about? It's the Bible. The metaphor is simply this. If someone walked in here standing in the front and they were naked, that'd just be awkward, Right? They'd feel out of place, they'd be embarrassed, they'd be ashamed, hopefully, I don't know, maybe, you know. But it would not fit. And so here's the understanding. The Apostle Paul says, we understand that this life is temporary, but there's a big part of me that's in this temporary life. Am I going to fit in heaven? When I get to heaven, am I going to be transformed in such a way so that, so that what I'm experiencing is, 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 is that I'm, I'm not up there exposed, embarrassed, naked, that have actually been prepared, I've actually been clothed. So when I'm there with everyone else, I belong there. So that's the second metaphor. So that's what he says. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Let's go to the next verse. For in this tent, so he's talking about the tent again, we groan and we're longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. So he says aching, longing, anticipation is part of this life. If your goal is to get rid of all of that, you're missing one of the most spiritually valuable things in your life. You're supposed to feel some of that. If your goal is to be comfortable in this life, 
just want to have a good life. I just don't want anything bad to happen to my kids. I just want to have enough money and just have every day great. That's all I'm asking. Okay? That's just not going to happen. Because this life is broken. And there's some longing. There's some groaning until we get to our heavenly dwelling. Let's go to the next verse. If indeed, by putting on this heavenly dwelling, we may not be found naked. So this is where he shifts the illustration. He says, so we get this new home in heaven, and now what are we going to be like there? Because if I'm like I am now, I don't think I can be happy even there. And what he's saying is, is that he's breaking us free from who we were and how we were, and, and he's taking away our nakedness, and he's clothing us. Look what he says. He says, for while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, being burdened, keep going, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, that what is mortal may be swallowed up in life. And so what he's saying is, is that this transformation is going to take place, and God will actually use the affliction. He, it said he is preparing us through afflictions, and, and that's what makes us close. And so what happens is, as we live more, as we more and more break away from the satisfaction we try to get in this life, we start, we start wasting away in this life, we start being renewed day by day in the next life. That is part of the preparation, that is part of the clothing, that is the part of putting on or clothing yourself in Christ. So that this life, which is not satisfies, gets swallowed up in the life that is to come. Let's go to the next verse. He who has, look at this, prepared us for this very thing. And so why does God let these difficult, these, these, these difficult things, these afflictions, these hardships, this dissatisfaction in our life? Well, those are things he's doing to prepare us, to clothe us for the life that is to come. This very thing is from God. And so you say, why are these difficult things happening? Well, they're from God. Because God is more important concerned about your inner life than your outer comfort. God is more concerned about your eternal destiny than your present struggle. He will use your present struggle to prepare you. This is the very thing from God who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. You say, well, what does he mean there? Well, what the Holy Spirit is, is the Holy Spirit is like a down payment. So this is how it works. In this life, those of us who are followers of Christ, we come to Christ, and there are times where we experience things that are satisfying. Now, we don't find ultimate satisfaction in this world, but there's some things that are just beautiful. We hold a baby. And that's just beautiful. We, we come to a worship service, and there are times where there's just like chills. There are times where we read something in the Scripture, and God comes, and, and, and the Holy Spirit just comes, and He just comforts us. And one of the big questions I ask, and I know you ask, is why can't it be like that all the time? Right? Well, because the Scripture is a guarantee. Now, the word for guarantee here in the Greek means deposit or down payment. And so the Holy Spirit is given to us as a down payment. So those wonderful moments of happiness and joy and contentment and peace, those are like a foretaste, a down payment of what's waiting to be revealed. It's kind of like, you know, suppose you're going over to a friend's house, your mom's house, your grandma's house, and they're making you the most wonderful thing you love to eat on a holiday special thing, and you walk in the room, you can smell it, and you know it's cooking, and they call you into the kitchen, and they say, it's not ready. Oh, I just, I just can't. And they say, okay, I'll give you a taste. And you get that little taste, right? And you go, oh my gosh. When is that going to be done? And you're longing. You're aching for that meal. You're wanting it to be done. And, and that's what the Spirit does in this life. 
And so rather than saying that because they don't feel that all the time in this life, which you don't want to be satisfying, there are flashes of that, there are glimpses of that, there are tastes of that. That is a down payment. That is our reality in heaven. And, and it's just a, a tiny morsel of it. It's just a little crumb of it. It's, it's, it's beyond compare what's waiting for us. Let's look at the next verse. He says, so we are always of good courage. Why are we of good courage? Because this life is going to work out? No. We are good courage because we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. That is to say that we understand, we have courage, that, that we're still in the body, we're still here, but we're away from the Lord where we're ultimately going to be. We're away from our final destiny. And you know what? That gives us courage because we recognize no matter what bad happens, it's temporary. No matter what's good to happen, it's temporary. And what we are going to experience there is beyond compare. There's nothing that compares to it. Let's go to the next verse. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body. We'd rather go home where it's ultimately satisfying and be at home with the Lord. Let's go to the next verse. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. He said, now, we'd rather be home. As we get renewed more and more, we just, I just want to be in that place. But we're here now, and so you know what? My goal now is to please him, to live for him. So this perspective of not being satisfied in this life, setting our hope in the life to come, transforms how we live this life. We start living generously. We start living honestly. We start living in such a way we say, you know, someday my destiny is to be like him, to be clothed in his righteousness. So I'm going to start living in such a way to please him. Go to the next verse. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Go again. So that each of us may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Go on to this next verse. The reason why this world does not know us. So if you're thinking, one of the reasons I'm not satisfied is I feel I don't, I don't fit in. Good. Because this isn't your home. You're visiting. You're kind of a stranger here if you're a follower of Christ. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. So when Jesus came on earth, he wasn't real comfortable here. I mean, he didn't put down roots. He wasn't talking about making the world, you know. He said, you know what, while you're in the world, you do good things, you try to make things better. But ultimately, I'm talking about getting people to, to a new home. He said, we, the world didn't know him, doesn't know us, we're not going to fit in. So if you feel that like you don't fit in, that's okay. Set your heart on the place where you will be fully known, even as he is known. Beloved, we are God's children now. Okay? So he says, even if you don't fit in, remember that your home, your family is in heaven. You are God's children. Now look at this next verse. This is where it gets, blows your mind. What we will be has not yet appeared. So the story's not done. So if you're here this weekend and you're about to give up, don't give up. You're in the middle of the story. And, and whatever you're going through, no matter how dark, how difficult, how bad, it'll go away. And in Christ, it can actually be used by Christ to clothe you or prepare you for eternal things. He, he says it has not appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we will see him as he is face to face. One more verse. And everyone who has this hope purifies themselves. They clothe themselves. They let the preparation do its work. They set their heart on eternal things, even as he is pure, because that's our destiny. That's where we're going. Outwardly, we're wasting away. Inwardly, we're being renewed, because anything we lose here is nothing compared to what's being prepared 
for us in Christ. Now, um, I, I, I've got a great quote by C.S. Lewis who says it just so well. He says this, he says, If I find in myself desires, nothing in this world can satisfy. Is that where you're at? I have desires and there's nothing in this world that can satisfy. I can only conclude that I was made, I was not made for here. I was not made for this place. That I was made for something else. I was made for something more. I was not designed, I was designed to be satisfied. And if I can't find it here, then I've got to find it somewhere else. As surely as the fact that I was designed to thirst indicates that there's water that will quench that thirst. Now, now, now I've got an illustration. And this is actually an illustration I've used before. It's one of my, my favorite illustrations. I, I saw it first by a pastor uh, by the name of Francis Chan, who's a really great um, Bible teacher and Christian leader. And, uh, and it's this illustration uh, about this, this rope. Now, now, what I wanted to see about this rope here is, is what I want you to imagine is this red part here, this is your life, Okay. This is where you were born. No, you're cute. Cute. Uh, you know, and, and this is where you die. So this is your life. Now, it's red, but sometimes it's exciting. Sometimes it's hard. But here's the deal. The world will tell you this is what matters. I mean, you've got, you got a short life, and you've got to make your mark. And history will tell you what is important. Jesus, by the way, says eternity tells you what's important. And who was important. In, in the final judgment... Who is actually important? It's going to play out very, very differently. Okay? So, so this is your life. You say, you don't understand. I work out, and I'm going to live longer. Okay, we'll give you to there. <laughs> you know, you should work out. I should work out. We should all work out. We should eat right. But at the end of the day, it's like rearranging the deck furniture on the Titanic. The boat's going down, okay? <laughs> Just great. So there's the deal. We fight and we scrape and we push and we try to make this matter. We, get, we do it at Christmas time. You know, we want the perfect Christmas. So we guilt everybody coming over. We get all Clark Griswold family Christmas, right? <laughs> Other people will work and work and work to accomplish something. So you'll be remembered and eventually you won't. Not on this earth. This earth is going to pass. Other people, you know, they'll try to get more money or they'll try to outwit someone or win something or something like this because this is what matters. Well, what this passage says and what Jesus says is that this life is something that I'm using to prepare you for the life that really matters. This will be unsatisfying for a while so that you can start experiencing the life that's satisfaction. And this life goes a lot longer than that life, right? And this is the life that is going to disappoint you. This life will disappoint you. It was designed to disappoint you. It's preparing you for the life that ultimately satisfies. And you know what? It doesn't stop. It goes, and it goes, and it goes, and it goes. Now, at this point in your eternal journey, if someone came up to you and said, do you remember that horrible time we went through back in the red stage? <laughs> You're going to go, nope. I don't even begin to remember that. I have experienced so many things. Another person says, you remember that incredible time, that meal, that thing, that experience, that Super Bowl or whatever that we won back in the red? Go, I don't remember that at all. Because the lowest lows are nothing compared to the surpassing glory. The highest highs of this life are nothing compared to the surpassing glory. So in faith, we recognize that this eternal journey goes on. And on and on. Why would you live for something that is not satisfying that you cannot keep instead of living for something that's eternal? See, that's what the, the scriptures tell us. It promises us that this life will not be satisfying. 
but it also promises us that there is a life of infinite, infinite satisfaction. Next week, I'm going to talk to you the, the little glimpses of what we know about that life to come, the incredible realities that we can't even find words to, but there's little glimpses in the scriptures about our new bodies and our new minds and our new emotions, our new purpose, our new work. And all that's going to be revealed. But it all comes back to this question is, 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 is that are you a person who's prepared for that? You know, one of the things we talked about is, is this thing of whether we're clothed or naked. So are you going to go into eternity, metaphorically speaking, naked? That is to say, unprepared for eternity. Because, because that's what Paul says. He says, in Christ, we are clothed in his righteousness. In, in Christ, in other place in Corinthians, he says, we, we put on his robes of righteousness, so we are not found unclothed. We are not found ashamed. And, and it all comes back to whether or not we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because here is the deal. If, if, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, this life is the best it's ever going to get. Did you hear what I just said? And, and the worst things in this life are nothing compared to the darkness that awaits. That will never end. See, there's, there's a line that goes the other way. And so it all comes back to this thing of saying, are you prepared? Are you clothed? Are you ready? Have you, in your life, put your faith and trust, not in what you have done, but what Jesus Christ has done for you? I don't know if you realize this or not, but, but in, here in, in, the auditorium, in, in, in the worship center, this room is in the shape of a cross. And, and all of us need to be in the cross because it was on the cross that Jesus Christ died for our sins. It wasn't what you do, it's what he did. And when you put your faith and trust in what you, he has done, you take off your old filthy rags and you are clothed then in the righteousness of Christ. So that when your life comes to an end, you can stand before God and you will be accepted and this eternity begins. And this eternity is a place of growth and transformation and, and renewal. It never ends. This was what you were created for. This is where the longing finds its satisfaction. And so I want to ask you, are you prepared? Are you clothed in Christ? If you're here today and say, I don't know the answer to that question, what I want to do is I actually want to pray a prayer. And this is a prayer inviting Jesus Christ to come into your life. And, and, and this prayer will, will, will confess our sins, will confess our need for him, and ask him to, to, to start helping us to become a follower of Jesus Christ. If you'd like to make this prayer your prayer, then pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, I've sinned, and, and I'm unsatisfied with this life. This life's not enough, and, and I, I, I've, just, I've felt despair. And so I turn to you now in faith, believing your word, believing that, that not only can you give me hope in this life, strength, encouragement, to enjoy the good things and to overcome the difficult things, but you can sustain me, Father, through this life, and you will bring me to a place of ultimate satisfaction and completeness, where I'll be made new, my mind, my emotions, my body will all be made new. And because of that, I find hope today, and, and it changes everything. Give me that eternal perspective. Forgive me for my sins, come into my life, and teach me to follow you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, let me just say a couple things. If you've prayed that prayer, I want, to, I want to tell you something. One of the last things that Jesus said before he went up to heaven was this. One of my favorite verses in John 14. He said, let not your heart be troubled. If your heart's troubled, hear me now. Let not your heart be troubled. You trust in God, trust also in me. Jesus said, in my Father's house there are so many rooms. And, and I go there now to prepare a place for you. And if I go to all that trouble to prepare a place for you, will I not most certainly come back and take you 
to be where I am, to be with me forever. And so, so that's what it means to put your faith in, tri- in Christ. And, and even though you may be going through a time where emotionally, spiritually, physically, you are wasting away, when you live in that reality, that true reality inwardly, you become renewed day by day, and it absolutely changes everything. If you were here today and you prayed that prayer for the first time, I want to let you know, we, we'd like to know that. We'd like to know who you are. And we have got a little gift for you. And so over here, if you're in uh, uh, the worship center, um, we have a prayer room. And we'd love for you to go and to visit and just walk in. There's some wonderful people there who are ready to, to receive you. We have a little gift for you that will help you get started on this journey of following Christ. That will help you start getting prepared for that eternal home. If you're in uh, uh, the, the, the theater, we've got some people uh, back in the back of the theater in a prayer section there in the theater that you can go and you can be part and, and you can uh, receive this gift and, and let people know that you found eternal life. And, and that is something we'd love for you to experience. Now, now this weekend, we have a wonderful thing. We have baptism this weekend. Now, um, uh, baptism is an incredible picture of what we just said. We're talking about a picture of people who are standing in the water who are dead in their sins, they get buried with Christ, just like he was buried, and just like Christ rose, they rise to newness of life. And now their old life is left behind, this old life that was about this earth and this world that was ultimately unsatisfying, ultimately disappointing. Ultimately, now they're heading for their eternal destiny. And baptism is part of that preparation. It's part of that step. It's a learning to obey Christ. They are, they are in a very real way, clothing themselves in Christ this day. And so we have uh, several who are being baptized in this service. And so I'm going to invite Johnny Baker to come out uh, to be baptized. Johnny writes, Baptism to me is to wash my sins away and become best friends with Jesus. I believe in him and I want to follow him. He will help me to be a better person. And so, Johnny, can I ask you, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yep, I got a, I got a head nod. <laughs> then, Johnny, we baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Woo! Yeah. We have Matthew Brundage. Matthew writes, I've been coming to Jacob's Well for a few months. I was taken back in an awe of the heartfelt and spiritual connection here. I've always wanted to deepen my connection in faith, but never felt the inspiration inside myself of how to go about it. Jacob's Well and its staff, along with a very dear friend of mine, helped me to find guidance in my heart and faith towards God. I can't thank them enough in helping me to come forth to share this special day in my life. And so, Matthew, I want to ask you, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Then based on your public profession of faith, we baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We have Braylon Dawson. Braylon writes, what getting baptized means to me is where it washes my mistakes and sins. I want to have a closer relationship with God. And so, Braylon, I want to ask you, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Then based on your public profession of faith, we baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. We now have Sukumi, Kawamoto. Sukumi writes, I accepted Christ on September 26, 
2018. Before getting to know him, I lived in desperation and hopelessness, always thought of ending my life. However, God changed me to have hope, to know, love, and to live by faith. Being baptized today, my old self will die, and I will be born as a child of God. So, so, so Sakumi, I want to ask you, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Then based on your public profession of faith, we baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Lily Kuhopt is next. <clears throat> Lily writes, Growing up Christian, I have never made faith my own in the past. Coming to college, I learned how to put my faith and trust in God, and I decided to get baptized to show that I truly believe in Jesus, and that through good times and bad times, I will follow him. And so, Lily, I want to ask you, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Then based on your public profession of faith, we baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Anna Larson is next. Anna writes, I feel like I finally started living out my faith and following Jesus intentionally, rather than just going through the motions. Today I am going all in, and I'm excited to say that this is only the beginning. This shows my, declara my declaration of following Christ, but, it also, but is also a sign of how faithful and patient God is. And so, Anna, I want to ask you, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Then based on your public profession of faith, we baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Bonnie Wright is next. Bonnie writes, Shame ruled my life, destroying relationships, making wrong choices. God has shown me how faith changed my heart, leaving old patterns behind for a life of serving others, knowing real love coming from a place of love. Born again now means something to me. And so, Bonnie, I want to ask, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Absolutely. Then based on your public profession of faith, we baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Ariel Evans is next. Ariel writes, I have chosen to get baptized because I am taking the next step in my faith, turning, trying to turn over a new leaf. And so, Ariel, we want to ask you, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Then based on your public profession of faith, we baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Jonathan Baker is here today to be baptized. Jonathan writes, I'm getting baptized today to begin a new path with the Lord in my life, and as a symbol that I have been truly forgiven for my mistakes I have made along the way. And so, Jonathan, I want to ask you, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I do. Then, based on your public profession of faith, we baptize you 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. It's very special to have a couple of our overseers uh, do the baptizing uh, this this uh, week uh, uh, um, um, and throughout the weekend. Um, it's been the perfect, perfect thing to do this weekend when we consider why we did this building. Here's a little bit of bad news about the new wonderful building. Eventually, it's going to fall down. The building is temporary because we didn't build it to do a shiny building. We did it because people will come here who are right now far away from God, will take steps to know and become like Christ, and their whole life will be changed. That's why we built this building. And, and so, yeah, that couldn't be better. So even though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly, day by day, we're being renewed, and we're helping other people who are wasting away find Christ and day by day being renewed. That's what we are, that's what we do, that's what Jacob's Well is all about. This last song is a wonderful song that speaks to our own hearts about being reminded about Christ who came at Christmas to make all of this possible.